Welcome to the Fair Chase Podcast. It's like, yeah, it's going to be physically it's hard, suck, but it's also like the best. Later on, that's the story you tell. I got a new strategy. It's, you just go kind of lick your finger a little bit like this. Aim high, play the wind. And then you aim high, you play the wind. It's a new aiming technique that I'm working on. You brought this up. Yeah. It's because you had target panic so bad. Yeah, I didn't have it so bad. Before we jump into this episode, we have to thank a few companies that make this show possible. First up, Vortex Optics. We run their binoculars, spotting scopes, and uh, a lot of their clothes in their Vortex wear line. Quality hoodies. sweaters and hoodies, t-shirts, hats. Yep. You uh, can save yourself 20% on that stuff. Buy. Ooh, it's a new code. The code TFC20. Check them out. Next up, Trophy Line. Trophy Line. No secret, we are saddle guys. We like to hunt in saddles, make the jokes if you want, but yep. they're super light, super effective, and we're big fans of Trophy Line. This year we're going to be running the Mission Platform or the EDP Platform, the EDP. depending, and uh, running the Covert Light. Yeah. Nice and light saddle. Lots of good adjustability on that. I feel comfortable walking with that thing out in the woods. Go yep. check this thing out. Use the code TFC10 to save yourself 10% on the next purchase. Next up, Prime. The bow that got me to switch back. I think I feel like I got you to switch back. You did, but but I like. But it was it's a big because part. of Prime shootability, shooting your bow, their accuracy. Uh, we're big fans of Prime. They're Michigan company. Jared's shooting the Nexus Four. Four. I'm shooting the Nexus Two this year. Go check them out. G5Prime.com. We uh, we're big GPS map users on our phone. Um, I get tend to get lost a lot, and Jared you do tend to get lost. A lot. Jared can't always be next to me. When you don't have Jared with you, you can have a little Jared in your pocket. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> this is an awesome platform. We know the guys. They're local here in Grand Rapids. And you can actually download other apps, stand locations, plot locations, whatever pins that you have, you can download them onto the HuntWise platform. So you're not, you can, give you it just, a try. You can just hit the ground. And you're not losing your research. Yeah. So go check this app out, HuntWise.com. You know, I was actually asked this weekend if we weren't partnered with Vector and like I had to shoot a different arrow would I shoot vectors? Oh, yeah, for sure. And I said, yes, of course. Yeah. I love them. I shoot extremely accurate with them. I've never broken one. Yeah. And the sweet thing was is you pretty much just tell Isaac and the guys over there your draw length, draw weight, and I think your tip weight. Your tip weight, and they have a – And then you customize the whole thing. And you they can do it right tip, online. cut, and everything. You don't have to mess with the bow shop or anything like that. Check these guys out, vectorcustomshop.com. For 10% off your order at checkout, use TFC10. Good luck out there. Shoot straight. I have uh, Chad Riker uh, with me today, and you know why don't I let you introduce yourself? You want to tell us what you do? Um, tell us a little bit about backcountry rookies. You already mentioned where you live. Uh, start us yeah. off. Yeah, so Albuquerque, New Mexico. I, I moved out here. Well, let me back up a little bit. So I'm Chad Riker, and I am the host of another podcast that's called Backcountry Rookies, and I that podcast started. So it's been kind of a weird roller coaster, actually. I started that podcast about four or five years, getting close to five years ago now. Yeah. And um, it was around for a while. And I had close to 250-ish episodes, 230 or something like that, that nice. I had released. And there was a lot, right? I had, I had a lot going on with it. And um, when I started it, I was on a network. And I, I ended up leaving that network for various reasons, right? All kinds of reasons. But um, I left that network. And when I did, the RSS feed that I was on stayed with the network and I had to leave 
everything behind Ooh, basically really yep so i left the network and i started over with episode number one right Ooh. started all the way over from the beginning and clean start um, clean clean <laughs> slate but okay so um i'll get to what backcountry rookies is in a minute i guess it's probably a long story um i when i left i had all of my old episodes saved on this hard drive right here actually and <laughs> right. I was all excited because I had all of my old episodes and I could upload everything. And then ultimately that hard drive crashed and I lost everything that I had. So it really was at square one. Wow. So, yeah. So um, Backcountry Rookies started, I um, knew nothing about Western hunting. So I grew up, I was born and raised in Indiana. I was a Midwest guy. What? Wait, which part of Indiana? I grew up around just south of Lafayette, Indiana, and okay. a right. um, little town called Crawford, actually Crawfordsville. And then an even smaller town next to that's called Darlington. That's like 500 people and cornfields. Okay. And that's about I, I, it. I asked, I got family from the Northwest corner. Uh-huh. North, yeah. Northwest corner. Yeah. yeah. Gary up in that region. Oh yeah. Chicago right right outside of Gary, Gary, Indiana, the armpit of America. <laughs> I'm not going to argue that. Um, <laughs> uh, so it, yeah, um, born and raised out there and I whitetail hunted and, you know, coyote hunted and just kind of did Indiana kid stuff. Yep. Um, ended up joining the army and left Indiana never really went back for hunting. I, I still go back now for family purposes and stuff, but I, I don't really go back. And, um, anyway, traveled around the world, traveled around the United States with the military and, um, ended up meeting my wife who is from West Texas and that kind of brought the bug back because I was able to, um, fortunately, through some family, I had access to some very big private ranches in, in West Texas. And so that got me back into mule deer hunting. And then ultimately, I let that mule deer hunting on big private ranches led me to want more of an adventure and kind of a over-the-counter public land type of opportunity. And then I land in Colorado and I'm on an elk hunt, you know, so yeah. one, one thing leads to another and there I am. But um, backcountry rookies started because I had no clue of what backcountry hunting or Western hunting was. I didn't even know what public land was until uh, I watched a Randy Newberg video on YouTube, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yep. So um yeah so then i started to understand well it isn't that difficult to get out west and to do some of these big game hunts and um there was a bunch there's a couple of other back then there wasn't a ton of podcasts there was a few and um i had recently been introduced to podcasts and western hunting at the same time and Perfect. um yeah so and i didn't really know I wasn't getting what I wanted from that brand new rookie guy perspective from what I was listening to and what I was seeing on YouTube. And I thought, well, I'm, this is it. I'm just going to start my own thing from the absolute rookies perspective. And so that's where it all started. Um, I would like to say it's still there. I I've kind of drifted away from that. The longer I get into it, it seems like the more when I talk to people and I interview people for the podcast, Obviously, I've become more educated over five years, and so those conversations aren't quite as as um, uh, I, I I know a lot more now, right? Like some sure, of the questions I mean, you've done, like how many <laughs> yeah. podcasts now? At least two hundred and fifty. Oh, 30, I'm, right? yeah, the first I'm, uh, round. I'm close to three hundred, but there's only like sixty out there now yeah. since I lost the majority. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, yeah, I mean, but, and you learn yeah. a lot as you go, and that we've had the same thing. It's like if you're because yeah. at first when we started, we were like, well, we should probably. At, Try, we were talking about it's like well we gotta 
we can't do a podcast. We don't know everything about hunting. There's people that know way more than us, Yeah, you know? And it's like the tendency is like, oh, I can't do this because I don't know enough. But if you're fine, open about that, which is yeah. a lot of what we've learned in ours, it's sure it's kind of nice for learning a ton because you're in the driver's seat and you can ask all the questions that you have. Yeah. And what I really like is it by calling myself a, a backcountry rookie, yeah. I don't get a whole bunch of questions because there's not a lot of people out there that want to trust the rookie. Right. right. So uh, <laughs> reality <laughs> is I I've learned a ton of stuff and I, I know way more than what I did before, but I still think I get less questions than what most people do. <laughs> and if I screw up, then I just say, well, I didn't know what I was doing. That's right. right. I'm, well, I'm a rookie. I have no clue. So you, don't you blame a, me. I'm you get a good out. Guy. Yeah. Well, it's, um, it's, it's a cool thing what you're doing. Um, yeah. you know, and I would imagine at this point, you've been in a lot, a lot of hunts, you've been on a lot of hunts out West. And, and, and if you had to look back and, and think about like thinking of all the experience you've had, mm -hmm. uh, and you could pick one time this year to hunt one place in time this year, you only get one hunt. Yeah. Like what would you, after all the learning and all the growing and all the things you've experienced, what would that, what would that look like? What would that be? I actually drew that tag this year. I think probably I, I won't say it's my dream tag, but yeah. it's a tag that if it's a tag that I'm really, really happy to have after I drew it. And it is a muzzleloader hunt here in New Mexico. And oh, cool. um, so it's a mule deer muzzleloader hunt. I'm super excited about it. And um, I think it's just going to be a ton of fun. And yeah. the unit is not far from my house. So yeah. I've been out there. Well, I went out there, me and me and one of my friends that's hunting with me, um, him and I went out there for three days, like late July or early August or something. And we scouted a lot, um, access, learning the roads, figuring yep. out how to get in and out where we wanted to hunt. And we just looking at the area, like big view perspective. Sure. So we were able to get in there boots on the ground early. And then, um, I was recently on an elk hunt that was in the same unit. So I was able so to you go in some Intel. Yeah. Uh, sure. Yeah. The whole time glassing and spending time behind glass, looking for elk and, deer pop up right so um now i have a lot of really really good intel for that unit and i'm really excited about it so, so the, the dream hunt just to recap muzzle yeah. loader new mexico yeah. mule deer yeah i, I, I don't know that that's, that's my cool. I, I won't say that's my dream hunt because there's bigghorn sheep and there's yeah, sure. I, you know there's yeah, things out of reach what you've done like your favorite yeah yeah, yeah but yeah. this is going to be a good one i'm excited about it and i get to hunt with one of my best hunting friends right there's the group of guys that are coming on it um so one of my really really good hunting buddies that i've been hunting with for years him and i hunt coos deer in arizona together every every year over yeah. the counter in january and, um, he actually drew the same tag somehow as a non-resident, he drew the same tag that I drew as a resident. And so he's coming out for it. So him and I will both have tags to hunt in the same unit for muzzleloaders. And then I have, there's a couple of other good friends that are coming out to glass and just help and be part of the hunt. So it's going to be a good crew and it's going to be a lot of fun. That, you know, that's a theme. That's like a, a common theme in, in that question, being able to hunt with your family or, or your good yeah. friends. That's like... Yeah half of what makes it a dream hunt for um, sure. For so sure. final question before we jump into your story. Mm -hmm. Uh, so the question of the month for us right now is, so you, you're, you've been hunting It's end of September. You're going on some hunts looking into your backpack right now, like in your mind, looking, open it up. What is the most useless I wrote in my notes useful and I almost said it, that wouldn't even make any <laughs> sense for this guy. What is the most useless piece of gear in your pack right now? 
thing that's just a waste of space, but you bring it anyways. Um, you know, I take two. I'll, I, okay, so this is tough because I don't pack. You can admit it. You're all. a rookie. Remember, you get the rookie. Yeah, yeah, escape. right, right. Uh, but I don't pack a lot at all. I'm not really much of a, a backpack hunter style. I do a lot of camps. I hunt out of the truck. I hike for three or four miles. But I, I will tell you, there's definitely something that's used less. And it's the three pounds of food and snacks that I take you most eat of the time. I, yeah, but I don't need that much. If I'm just day hunting, like yeah. I'll start pulling stuff out of my bag and I've got a couple of packs of M&Ms and I've got beef jerky and I've got a whole, <laughs> whole meal, like a dehydrated meal. And then I've got a, uh, cook pot, you know, with, with all of this stuff to cook all this food. Yeah. And, and I always pull all that out and I'm like, what in the heck? Why do I need all this stuff, man? I'm only out here for like three hours, maybe. You An know? army so, moves on its stomach. You know, uh, yes, that was does. a wise man once said that to me. And I was doing manual labor in college or no high school or college. And he, he, he would come during lunchtime and he would bring me. And actually, I was working with Jared who, uh, at the time, but he would bring us like 15 uh, quarter pounders. Uh-huh. And like, he'd be like, all right, boys gather around and army moves on its stomach and you, you know, just big greasy burger and go back to work. So yeah, there's something to it. All right. Let's just something know, to it for sure. Let's yeah. dive into the story. Like, like I said, uh, you know, w- w- kind of these podcasts are themed around what, like a great hunting story that you've lived something, maybe an extreme hunt or, uh, just a meaningful hunt or you know, a great hunting story. I'll turn the mic over to you. Take it away. Oh man, I'm very long-winded, so I hope you've got some time. Yeah. Um, no, so I will say, man, there's a there's a lot of them that I could say, but last year I took my first elk, and I think that one probably has meant the most to me so far. A cow elk, I, I didn't shoot a bull or anything. I had a cow tag. Mm-hmm. And um uh let me back up and, and talk about how I acquired this tag, and then we'll talk a little bit about the story. Yeah. Um so one of my, I'm retired military guy, right? So I have a lot of military friends and have connections with a lot of military people. And one of my very, very good hunting buddies is, uh, or a couple of my good hunting buddies are air force guys. I don't know how army dudes and air force yeah. dudes got linked up, but whatever, we make it work. And, uh, so my good friend was deployed at the time, uh, overseas and he is texting me, you know, while he's deployed and he says, man, I'm going to miss my he had drawn a couple of good tags, right? He had a really good um, New Mexico elk tag. And then he also had a really good mule deer tag in Arizona. And because of his deployment, he lost both of those and wasn't able to hunt. Okay. Right. And, and, uh, and real quick, it, he didn't like totally lose the elk tag in New Mexico, but he, it, uh, if you're a deployed military, you're actually able to gift that tag to another military member that can use it. So really, yeah, it has, you have to be deployed and it has, it has to be to another military service person. Um, but you can do it. So it's not like you totally eat the tag. Somebody else gets it and they can pay you for it. You know, however, however it works. Um, but anyway, so he's deployed and he keeps texting me. Like, I don't think I'm going to make it home. I don't think I'm going to make it home in time for this elk hunt and I'm not going to make it. So, you know, we scratched our losses on that. And unfortunately, you know, okay. He gives up the tag and and we don't, we don't go on it. So then he comes home and he gets home. I think it was about mid October or something. And one day he texts me and he says, let's buy some cow elk tags because in New Mexico, you can buy a a landowner tag 
it, um, after the draw, if you don't draw anything, then you can, you can purchase a, a landowner tag. So we have that option. And he says, look, I've had plenty of time to do the research and I have this opportunity, right? I can get two tags. Uh, would you want to buy one of those tags? And I thought, you know what? This is really, really cool. This yeah. dude lost two hunts and I, I just really want to hunt with him. And it was a good unit. We just, it, it was perfect. Um, so we ended up buying those two tags and, and, um, spent the weekend up in Northern New Mexico on this elk hunt. And, uh, my friend, I guess he was tired of being in terrible situations because he said, I'm doing this totally different. Like we could set up camp or I could just get an Airbnb in town and we could totally just live it up and we could drive out every day and hunt the hunt. So yep. we ended up, we ended up staying in this beautiful Airbnb and um, we're driving out to the unit every morning. I think we each had about four days for the hunt or something, something like that. Or he maybe had longer, but I had like four days. Yep. And um, we go out the first day. Um, we all kind of hunted together in the beginning. It was so it was me and my friend Daniel Porter and my other friend CJ Stefan. And um, we all we literally hit the ground. We hike up to the top of the hill and cj said or cj or dan one of them said hey there's usually elk right down here in this bowl right that like just be quiet as you're walking up because i see them up here all the time and we walked up and we kind of got set up it was a rifle hunt and we get set up behind the rifles and literally i, I don't even think i had sat down on the ground yet and cj says oh there's a bull up there <laughs> <laughs> and we look over and it's one of those moments man where the the sun is rising behind this, the crest of the hill yeah. and this bull is standing up there and it's got this beautiful rack and the sun's coming <laughs> up behind it. It's just picture perfect. Right. You'll love to I, see it. Oh man. And, um, we just say, Oh God, you know, I wish I had a bull tag, whatever we're going through it. And sure. then it's like, we're like, Oh, well there's a cow right there and there's another cow and there's another cow. And, um, so we ended up, I, I attempted to take a shot on one of those and it was a pretty terrible shooting position and it was pretty far out. So that one didn't, we didn't, that didn't work out, but sometimes um, you got to aim high, play the wind, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just kind of lick your finger and yeah. figure it out and go with it. <laughs> uh, but the funny part of that was Dan got so excited because he thought that I had killed that elk right then. Like he leaves his rifle. He leaves his backpack. He leaves everything laying on the ground and he comes running. He, we had kind of separated at that point and he comes running up the hill and he's like, you shot that elk, you shot that elk. And he starts getting so excited. And meanwhile, that whole herd that there was like seven or eight of them, I think were literally running right toward where Dan was sitting, where his <laughs> rifle and his backpack and everything was sitting on the side of the hill. If he would have stayed there, he would have had like a 40 yard rifle <laughs> shot at a cow that ran past him. So anyway, you know, just kind of chaos and everything in the moment. And we went up there and um, I didn't kill that elk. So we moved on, right. We kind of followed the herd to see what we can do. But, um, ultimately that day we, I ended, or we ended up putting in something like nine miles, right. Just sure. hiked yeah. and hiked and hiked and hiked. And we had a great time and we just took it slow and easy. And it was just, you know, three friends out there having a good time. Yeah. And yeah. we go back to the Airbnb that night and had a couple of beers or whatever and some good food and we enjoyed ourselves and get up the next morning and kind of try the same thing again, uh, put some miles on and just worked our way around. But at this time we had split up. Dan was going to a different spot. We were trying to maximize opportunity. Um, I think that day we hiked around 
quite a bit. And then the next day, CJ, we were in the same area as yep. that day before. And then I think it was the third day, CJ and I decided to go to a different area, totally different drainage, like two or three over. And we hiked out there. We saw several bulls and just beautiful area. Found some really nice old like deadhead stuff and uh, just a cool spot, right? And um, that day, I know for a fact we did nine miles because when we got back, we were walking back to the truck and I said, I was like, man, wouldn't it be cool? This beautiful meadow, right? We're yeah. standing there. We're overlooking this beautiful mountain meadow. And I was like, man, it just seems like there should be an elk standing right over there, dude, literally like right underneath that tree. <laughs> and he's like, well, that's weird. Cause there is one standing over there. <laughs> and all you could see was like the nose, you know, he started looking through the binos and he picks one out. And it was like a thousand yards away. So we weren't going to try to do anything with that. Right. There was, there was no play on it because the wind was terrible. Everything was wrong, but um, we watched it for a little bit and then we're making our way back to the truck and we were about, I think it was about 400 yards from the truck and there was a little water hole right there and we crested the hill and there was a big bull and a cow standing right there at the water hole. <laughs> and I shot this cow. At, I, I want to say it was about 125 yards. Oh, perfect. And I drop her right there and we both look up and, you know, everybody's excited, right? We're high-fiving and doing, doing the celebratory thing. And we looked up and we, we hit the range finder and we ranged the back end of my truck. And we were, it was like 425 yards to the truck <laughs> after we had already walked nine miles around that whole can every Canyon we could find, we walked it. And, um, I, I, we, so we went and we started getting the cow all prepped and, you know, broke down. And then we went and got the truck and we drove over there and we backed up to her and we loaded her up <laughs> in the back of the truck. So, um, you know, just uh, the, every ahead. hunter, every, like, uh, not every hunter, I would say many hunters out there have probably, I've experienced this. I, I feel yeah. like this is, you know, such a classic thing. You do all the work, you go all the way out and it's right in front of the truck where you find, you know, yep. find to make something happen. Yeah. Well, we had had some, so I missed one, a, another one. I missed one, just a terrible shot. Right. Um, earlier in the, that morning and we were about five miles oh, from the truck. Okay. All right. So we get, all right, we get back right. over yeah. to where we're at. And CJ was like, I'm really, really glad you missed that cow five miles back <laughs> there because I didn't want to haul that thing out. And then we <laughs> shot one right there. So, um, I probably sound like a terrible shot. And the funny thing is I'm, I'm actually a pretty good shot. But yeah. um, it was offhand and kind of one of those we had climbed right up a mountain and breathing heavy and oh, you know, yeah. just, just kind of a thing. And it just quick snap type shot and um, should have put a lot more effort into building a better shooting position. And so but in the moment, you're take your you're, time you're moving. And, yeah. Yeah. And I guess that, yeah. that's a good lesson. You know, yeah. I, I've I've had that before. I, I know some really good hunters who I've seen happen to them before, too, where it's like, you think you just, you never know sometimes when you're hunting, if you need to move fast or slow, like how much mm -hmm. time do you have? Sometimes yeah. it's like, all right, it's time to be slow. Sometimes you got to go fast and figuring out the difference is hard. And I, cause I feel like it's so situational, you know, there's almost like no hard and fast rule. You just kind of have to feel, feel it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause sometimes there'll be a animal that'll just stand there and look at you for, for yeah. 30 or 45 seconds yep. when you could find a tree and you could make a good rest or you could take a knee and build a shooting position. There's all kinds of stuff that you could do. And, and then there's other times where as soon as that animal hears a stick crack, they're, they're long gone and you don't even know they're there. I have so, not mastered that yet. No, and nobody probably ever, ever will. I don't think so. 
Um, but so we get back to the truck, we get the, you know, I'll say packed out of there. We literally lifted it up and set it on the tailgate and then drove it back to the, to the Airbnb. And, um, then it was, I think that night too, we get back and Dan had a Turkey, right? Like he had shot a Turkey while he was out and, and saw one. And, um, so we had a Turkey and then we had the elk. Uh, and then when it was time to leave the Airbnb and we went out and we set up a camp and we kind of did the, the real, I guess the real hunting side of it. And I had to leave, I think it was the next morning I had to leave, or maybe we all hunted together one more day to try to get Dan a cow. And then I had to leave because I had to get back for work and, you know, back to town. Um, they, Dan ended up shooting a cow later on in that, that, um, weekend or whatever it was, you know, that later in yeah. that week. So he shot a nice cow too. He ended up getting one. Um, yeah. So it was a really, really successful thing. And it was just super cool. Cause those guys, uh, you know, CJ had been traveling a ton for his, his work as an air force guy. So I didn't really get to see him much. And then Dan was deployed and then we all kind of came together and everybody just, just came together and we were able to hunt together and to make it, you know, make something happen together is yeah. yeah. That's just awesome. You never yeah, forget that. Yeah. Um, it was good. Looking back, you know, as we kind of round out the podcast here, um, looking back, like, you know, usually I'll ask for um, maybe a lesson learned from failure or maybe a, some kind of tip or something that contributed to success. Like looking back on it, mm-hmm. what would you say? What would you learn from that hunt? I learned this. I, I wish that I could learn it every time. But I, I think patience is, is absolutely important. Just being patient. And in and, and other hunts, I've learned this, too. Um, just slowing down and taking the time to, to look around and understand your surroundings. There's been so many times where I've just walked up on a, an, a bull elk or something that blows out of there. And then you see them at 50 yards and then they're, then they're gone. Right. You see them run. That happens all the time. It happened a couple of weeks ago when we were on this other elk hunt, we were walking through a bunch of uh, old like sage and juniper brush and stuff. And next thing you know, I look up and there's a bull just like running in front of us at about 40 yards. And he just kept on going. He is a little bull, but, um, anyway, I think being patient and slowing down and taking your time, it, it really, really is important. Like that cow that I talked about that was, four or five miles away from, from the truck. Um, she was bedded and she was laying there. And as soon as she saw us and, and, you know, there was like eye connection made, she was up on her feet. But I I really think that if I, I think if I would have just slowed down, taken a few deep breaths, there was a couple of trees around me on, on either side. And I I really think I could have walked over, set up on the tree and kind of used the tree for stability and taking my time. And that probably would have only taken me maybe 10 or 15 seconds to set that up. And I, I likely would have, would have had a much, much better opportunity at that elk. Um, luckily I had the opportunity later and it worked out later, but, uh, it, maybe it wouldn't have, you know, and then that would have been my last opportunity. So, um, slowing down, taking the time listening. Uh, I think a lot of times people will, I'll I'll shoot. There's been times where I've been sitting down, eating my lunch, you know, yeah. and, and a couple of guys, and we're just sitting there having like a full on conversation at full volume. And, and the next thing, you know, you, you hear animals, you hear something and, and they're gone. So yeah. They're always gotta, moving through. Yeah. Yeah. They're always doing, I mean, they do whatever they do, right. They're animals. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, Hey, Chad, thanks for coming on. Uh, thank you for sharing your story and a little bit about you. Um, you, you do run a great podcast. Like the stuff you're putting out is great. Um, and, and so for people who are listening right now and, and want to check you out on, 
on social media or, or your podcast? Where, where can they find you? Yep. Everything is backcountry rookies. Um, I've got a website that needs tended to for sure. Uh, but my Instagram is, is out there. That's probably the best way to, to reach out. Um, I have Facebook that I don't use much. I have a private group over on Facebook that's called the backcountry rookies nation. And we've, I, there's probably about five or 6,000 people in that group now. And that group was really, it was put together that so that there's no sponsors, there's no heart. Like you can come in there and ask the most rookie question that you want and you will get a, a positive answer. You're not going to get the typical Facebook response of, ah, you're an idiot. That's been asked 50 <laughs> times. Somebody will take the time to respond to it. And, and if they respond inappropriately, then we just get them, get rid of them from the group. And you so get the boot. be it, nice. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh, moderated very, very well. And, um, but yeah, that that's a good group. But uh, backcountry rookies, pretty much anywhere you want to find us, and uh, we're out there. Excellent. Well, hey Chad, thanks again, uh, and hopefully we get to to do this again. I want to hear more hunting stories. I've got plenty. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> the opportunity. Thanks. Hey everybody, thanks for listening to this episode. We really do appreciate it. If you want to go on to any kind of social media platform, give us a like, share, subscribe. You know, it really help us out. Keeps the train rolling. And if you guys really like what you're listening here, give us a five-star Either star way, if, even if you don't like it. Even if you don't like review. it, five stars. That'd Helps cool. everyone out. We'll see you out there.